on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I had never felt so completely worthless as a man, as a husband, as when my wife couldn't buy like a gallon of milk and some eggs for 11 bucks. And that was a significant turning point in my journey with high voltage ink. Yeah. From that point on, from 2009 was probably when that happened moving forward. I've had a pretty big fire lit underneath me (laughs) and it really hasn't diminished a whole lot. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm your host, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I mean, all my guests are special, but today is a, a little bit of a unique situation because I've gotten to know this guy ahead of time pretty good a little bit here now. His name is Tyler Pratt, and uh, I've, he's got a story that uh, we're going to get to here, but I just love the depth of the entrepreneurial thickness that comes with this story. So I'm, I'm super excited. Tyler, welcome to the King stage. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm really, truly humbled and grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, tell us what kind of business, or in this case, businesses that you got, brother. I have a power line construction business. We contract out to utility companies. We do all sorts of new construction, rebuilds, maintenance on high voltage power systems. Yeah. Also have a drilling company. We we do some drilling for foundations on heavy highway construction, large commercial construction, and also vertically integrate those drilling services into our power line projects. Right. Exactly. I love that. You know, the the, the guy that's up there high working on crazy stuff, you know, high voltage and up high in the air, like you got multiple like high factors, <laughs> high, right. high intensity factors, you know, right. happening all at once. Right. Is this how you would describe yourself? Like high intensity in multiple areas is how it all started? You know, honestly, not really. I'm I'm okay. fairly reserved individual, okay. I feel like, but I have a lot of motivation okay. to succeed and to win. And yeah. the trade of being a lineman is speaks to my soul. I love doing line work. I love being in the air. I love building power lines. I like building all sorts of things. Yeah. whether it's residential and houses or or anything that can be built from scratch, from raw materials into something of substance I, I enjoy yeah. doing. Power lines may be at a higher level than the rest, and that's why I've stuck with this and been involved at the level I am. But I, yeah. I really enjoy seeing it go from a conceptual drawing to a full-built power line of varying scope and size to complete energization of the, of the system. It's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, you have this unique ability. And and a lot of entrepreneurs have a, a degree of this where you can literally see the end result before anything comes to fruition. Like that raw material and but but before it ever happens, you got to see it. Would you say that over the course of time, and we're gonna get into some of your story here, but that I'm just 
fascinated by some of this, um, some of this vision type thing that uh, some entrepreneurs have. It, have you grown in this area, or has that has that a skill set? This architect kind of I can see it before it happens. Is that always been in you, or have you grown in that? I think it's grown incrementally. I think there was a spark of that initially, you know, but it's definitely been started with a little bit of nature, right? But it's been nurtured into yeah, yeah. where I'm at today for sure. Yeah. Your visions expand, your 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 depth of your understanding expands. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and as the listener should be encouraged as well, it doesn't have to you don't have to see it all up at front. I even think I'm 24 years old, I'm about to purchase my first franchise you know, and it felt like a huge thing, you know, I'm spending, putting 70, 80 grand down, buying a $500,000 business at 24 years old. And I had no idea that I would have seven of them four years later. I, I wasn't even thinking like that, but to your point, right. it, it, it happens or even snowballs quickly when you, when you focus on growth or when you focus on maybe that next achievement, kind of going back to winning that obsession with winning that you were just mentioning. I want to know before we get into too much more, at this level in the game, you've obviously been successful. The, the listeners don't know some of the ups and downs you've been through yet, but I know that at this level in the game, you've been through it. Why do you keep going? Why, what's, the, what's the drive? What's the motivation that's still in you after all that you've been through and all the success that you've gotten to now? Honestly, if I try to tie it back to one philosophy or one motivation, it would be something my father-in-law told me a long time ago. He, he passed away 10 or 11 years ago now, actually from injuries resulting from a horse accident. Wow. And so he, he passed away young. He was 49. Wow. Yeah, it was really a horrible, tragic event for the whole family. But he was a successful businessman. And I remember him telling me one time, it's okay to be happy with what you have, but never with who you are. And Ooh. that's not from a self-confidence perspective. You know, yeah. you, you can be happy with who you are as a person internally. Sure. But, and you should be happy with what you have because it's not about things. It's not about more and more stuff. Yeah. But with who you are as a person from a development standpoint, yeah. that's where you shouldn't rest. Like you should work hard to improve yourself for yourself, for your family members, for your colleagues, for your friends to become the best, best version of you that you can. Yeah. So I think that is probably what keeps me going is not the dollar bills, not the new equipment. You know, yeah. I, we love purchasing new equipment that we can put to work. We love seeing the power lines go up. We love seeing satisfied customers. But at the end of the day, for me, it's really just, I still got gas in the tank. I, I want to be better. I want to use that fuel to move forward. Yeah. You know, there's, I, I want to point this out for the listener because it, it's such a simple point, but you, and then, you know, one gentleman inside of the, the mastermind group who you haven't met yet, I've connected you to him, Justin, but you guys both have this, this very similar thing that I I've tried to exude myself, but I look up to both of you in this way. And I want to just point it out for the listener. You, you guys don't know yet a Tyler's revenue or the size of his companies, but let's just say he does pretty well, right? He's obviously on the show here. He's at a certain level, but even in comparison to some of the mastermind clients that I have, I would say Tyler's on the, on the bigger end. It's not the biggest, but on the bigger end of revenue. But I'll tell you what, <clears throat> the mindset perspective that you came to us with is very similar to 
Justin, who has by far the biggest revenue. Like we could put all of us together. We're not going to come close to him. And it's like, it's this learning spirit. It's this, this is ability to say, you know what? That doesn't really matter. The things, the revenue, num- like none of that matters to your point. I need to get better. And when you can run with guys like that, where the, 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 the output or the result is like, okay, cool. But like, what's next? And when you have a guy like you, who's maybe further on than maybe another guy who, but still kind of puts that to the side and says, no, like, what can I learn from you? That is mm-hmm. just an incredible ability that not only you have, but I, I've seen it in Justin as well, where again, you know, it, it's more of almost a, like a, 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 a mature King perspective. You're not new to this King thing, but you, you renew this in your mind, like over and over and over again, which I think is actually the spirit of the King It's like, man, it's like, no, no, I don't want to rest on laurels by at all, you know, by any means at all. So what would you say to that? I kind of, I'm kind of putting something new in your, in your, your quiver here, as far as I didn't prepare you for this, but, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that comes as you go through the refiner's fire of, of being tempered and, and heated and beat and, and you come out the other side, which none of us are fully out the other side, but there's cycles, there's evolutions of that. Yeah. And yeah, we've been through a lot of shit over the years, yeah. but it makes you stronger. Right. You can't get stronger muscles if you don't break them down first. And yeah. your life in general or your, your business life is absolutely follows that same analogy of you are going to go through things that test you, that try you, that break you. And it's how you rebuild yourself and reinvent right. yourself and move forward. Yeah. That's important. So yes, you, you come out through these different cycles of growth with a different perspective, a different mindset. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, I, we could do the whole show, I think on this topic, this, this humility versus ego versus this obsession with winning. And well, how do I, how do I obsess over winning, but not have this kind of like arrogance ego. This whole topic is very, I think, relevant for the entrepreneur. And even in today's world where things or the next achievement seems to be the, you know, the, the, the flashy thing to do or to talk about, but one last little dig here before we move on from this topic, I want to know, like, from that perspective of like arrogance or like the obsession of winning, but like you've been through the fire, as you just said. So, okay. You've been through the fire, meaning like you've been kind of knocked down. Are you, are you insinuating that you thought differently before, like maybe a little bit more arrogant, a little, maybe a little bit more confident. And then when you got kind of smacked in the face that, that that's given you the different perspective or what should the listener pull away from what we're talking about here? Yeah, you're right. We probably could go on about this for all day, but at the end of the day, I tell my kids all the time as they're pursuing different athletic goals to get to it, you have to go through it. And Love that. that's all there is. That's the only secret. If you have something in mind that you want to get to, you've got to go through the myriad of obstacles, of trials, whatever is in your way. Yeah. You can't go around it. You're not going to go over it or under it, you literally have to go through it. And that process is what puts you in the right mindset to escalate your success. Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. I feel like we could just hit the stop button. We've got all the nuggets that we need. (laughs) You've got the, the, the wisdom, man. I just really appreciate that. I feel the same way. Even, even though my journey in entrepreneurialism has maybe been shorter than yours. It's those moments where my, my teeth, I had no teeth. I had been kicked 
fully straight in the face. I had no teeth and it was like, whoa, we need to, we need to rethink this. And I needed to rethink maybe some confidence or some arrogance as probably more so was than confidence. And so I want to, I want to, I want to take it back a little bit. I want you to tell us kind of how you got started. I know that this isn't your first start at business, but just give us a little bit of your journey from like when you got started in business to, to now. Well, if I go back far enough, I, I started mowing lawns before I could even drive. And so it was a huge pain for my parents to have to load a lawnmower and drive all over town so I could get out, unload the lawnmower and make $5 to right. mow somebody's yard. And, and and my mom actually made me do that. She would make me find yards I could mow. And I Love know it. she probably spent more in gas and time and hassle than the you know, $15 I could make a day a few times a week. But yeah. that was really my first taste of making money yeah. outside of a job because I always had summer jobs as well through Parks sure. and Rec or coaching T-ball and umpiring games and up until I could drive. And then the, the work became a little bit more labor intensive. And right. And I learned pretty early on if I wanted to do the things I like to do, outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping trips, whatever it might be, like those things take money. As I entered the workforce after high school, I did a whole array of different oil field related jobs and pipelining and roustabout work and just general labor. And I ended up meeting a gentleman that worked at the local utility company. He was a lineman and we hunted and fished together I didn't even know what alignment was prior to meeting him. And I thought, well, here's something I can do and not have to work in the oil field. Right. I have to work in the coal mine as the little town I grew up in Northwest Colorado. Those were really the options. Yeah. So I elected to look into being alignment. And from there, I, I did a little vocational program in Grand Junction, Colorado at Mesa state. And Long story short, I guess I've ended up owning my own power line business. And there's been a lot of, you know, in between since 1998, when I went to line school at the Votech to 2023. Yeah. Yeah, so that's I don't right. know how much in depth you want to go into. Yeah, that. well, you you hinted at it. I mean, you've built homes, you've done, you've been in residential construction. I mean, you've 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 got a lot of experience. To your point, there's been a lot of touch points. And so, what what do you think drew you back to? you know, or, or what drew you away from being a lineman working for someone to, to entrepreneurship? Let me ask you that question first. What, what, what drew you out of the job? Sure. So I'll elaborate. As I graduated out of the Botech program, which was a nine-month program, I hit the road basically contracting, chasing power lines all over the country. I did that for several years and then eventually moved back home to the to Rangeley, Colorado, where I was able to get a job at the local, uti- local utility as a lineman. Yeah. I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to go back to home and settle down and, and, and work there, but yeah. I didn't really fit in. I didn't enjoy it that much. The work pace was completely different. The mindset was completely different. I was used to just work, 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 hours, 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 and and at the utility, that was pretty structured. You know, you put in your 40 hours a week. And and so even the money that I was used to making from working all those hours was significantly reduced. Right. But I ended up meeting a girl 
who was at the local community college and we dated and then ended up getting married. So I, I stuck with the utility company there for a couple of years so she, yeah. she could get her, her degree and then left and moved to Southern Utah where her family was from. Okay. And that's when I started doing some general construction yeah. and also started a trucking company to haul trailers that were manufactured in the area to the dealer network. Yeah. And we ran both of those from like 2005, six, seven. And then in end of 2007, 2008, when that economy crashed, I was leveraged pretty heavy into building, into the building business, yeah. which fell flat on their face Just, and yeah. completely wiped me out to less than zero, ended up filing a bankruptcy, lost everything except for my wife's vehicle through the bankruptcy. We basically could keep that, but lost a home, lost ATVs, lost camper, lost trucks, like All of it. everything. It was, yeah. it was gone. It was horrible. Also lost any type of retirement account that I had for my pre previous years working for contractors and then the utility soaked up all that money, just trying to meet obligations from being over leveraged on the businesses I was trying to grow when the right. revenue stopped. Right. So literally hit rock bottom or maybe just a little bit lower than that. Yeah. And it was about a year after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About a year after my oldest daughter was born. Wow. I had one, one kid and roughly during that same time frame, another one on the way. So I had a lot of motivation to figure it out yeah. and find a house, rebuild my life, start over financially. I was 30, exactly. And it was a complete reset. Uh, only this time, uh, I mean, as you start as a teenager, you don't have anything anyway. So right. not really a re reset, but I'm hitting a complete reset now with a wife and a kid and another one on the way. And I needed to dig down deep and figure out what I was going to do. I didn't yeah. necessarily always love the residential building and the trucking company ended up being more of a pain than it was probably worth. But I learned a lot that actually yeah. became value in my power line and my drilling business because they're so DOT compliance related. That's um, right. But going back to trying to figure out which direction I'm going, I wanted to get back to line work. Yeah. I didn't necessarily want to just go back to work for a utility. And I really, with a wife and kids, I didn't necessarily want to just hit the road and be gone all the time. Yeah. So I started High Voltage Inc. in 2008 with nothing. I had my climbing gear that's in my bag and some of my tools and a truck I basically borrowed from my dad, printed <laughs> some stupid business cards that smeared every time you touched them wrong and <laughs> just tried to get out there and do little projects. Yeah. Um, I remember it would have been somewhere maybe a year or so after I started High Voltage. I was out on a little project and away from home about six or seven hours. And my wife called me just crying and crying from the store. And I was like, well, what's going on? And I'd ignored her call a couple of times because I was busy. And, yeah. and But I knew it was important. She kept calling me. And she's crying. And I asked her what's going on. And she's like, I'm at Albertsons trying to buy some groceries. And the debit card won't clear. And at this point, we didn't have credit cards. They were all right. gone. And I'm like, well, how much is the charge? And she's like, it's $11. She's like, I'm buying milk and some eggs. and Yeah, the basics. And yeah, like very basic. It was $11. Yeah. Yeah. And I got that call, call that we didn't have enough money to cover an $11 charge. 
And I, I mean, I was working, I, but things hadn't really came together yeah. and money was always tight because I was still actually, that was prior to actually filing bankruptcy after everything collapsed. I didn't want to file bankruptcy. I tried to meet those obligations for as long as I possibly could, but it soaked yeah. up every everything. available dime I had. Yeah. So for me, that was an insanely powerful catalyst. I had never felt so completely worthless as a man, as a husband, as when my wife couldn't buy like a gallon of milk and some eggs for 11 bucks. And that was a significant turning point in my journey with high voltage ink. Yeah. From that point on from 2009 was probably when that happened moving forward. I've had a pretty big fire lit underneath me and (laughs) it really hasn't diminished a whole lot. Yeah. There's been some level of comfort here and there and things have changed to where I don't have to be on the road a hundred percent of the time chasing work, but that comes with the larger burdens of management of, you know, teams, companies and contracts and, or, and employees and everything. So, yeah. Wow. From there, we just continue to grow. And like, like you mentioned earlier with your franchise, you know, I didn't have that vision that you right. pointed to when you first started. I, I started out with myself with some temporary help on a weekend when I could get some of my lineman buddies that worked at other power companies to take a day off or on a Saturday to come help me yeah. and ran with that up until the point that I could have a week job and, you know, a week long job to, right. to a month long job. And those were jobs just tried to stitch them closer and closer together. And to the point where I could eventually afford to buy you know, some line equipment like a bucket right. truck and a digger truck, the things that we commonly use to build power lines. Yeah. And then finally got to where I had one full-time crew and wow. the customers liked it. They reacted well. We wanted to provide a good service at a fair price and do a good job. Kind of our tagline for our business is line work done right. It's not complicated. Right. Like that's what we want to do. Yeah. And we've grown off of that model. You know, we've been all the way to 135 employees and we're back down to in that 75 to 80 range currently with some growth projected this year to be in that 85 to 90 range. And that's, we've been everywhere in between yeah. uh, multiple times through those growth and, and cycles <laughs> from started with, with me to one crew to, you know, 20 something crews or 30 crews all the way back down in 2017 to just a couple crews due to yeah, bad, <laughs> some, some bad lean, luck or bad decisions. Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the vulnerability that you have to be able to share those moments, I think is incredible, but I don't want to pass over just the, the weight of two things. Number one, the moment, obviously with your wife, like, whoa, I mean, I, I, every, first off, I know every man listening was like, came to grips with themselves as you were talking that like, whew, but any any human, you don't have to be uh, a male to to feel that moment. I, I wow. Then the fire that that put in you is obviously like something that has not gone out. To your point, I guess my, my that's the, the the perspective I wanted to, to to have for the listener. But then the question is, how have you kept that right? So you just described that was you know years ago. And even since then, you've been up and down and up again. So <laughs> how have you kept that specific maybe moment or that burn through great times, lean times, or even now, like you're projecting more growth again? Like, how do you hold that close? 
just the resolve to never go back to that. I don't yeah. want to ever have that phone call again. I don't want to ever go through nonstop creditors calling and talking with attorneys. Like maybe it's just from a good memory, but <laughs> it's imprinted in there pretty well. And yeah. I learned a long time ago, the school of hard knocks is a great place to learn, but only a fool continues to attend. Whoa. So don't, don't do things that are going to put you back in that situation. Yes, they were valuable learning experiences. You yeah. dig deep, you find yourself, you figure out just how, you know, strong your internal metal really is. Yeah. But you don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time there. Yeah. I, again, simple, but so profound, the great place to learn, but only the idiot keeps, keeps attending. Right. Um, how have you been able to, as you've grown and, and even like, like you said, we've been up and down several times since then employee range is what you were giving, but obviously that means that that just there's cyclical nature to business up and down and growth and, and teams and you build them and you lose some people and there's, there's a cyclical nature, right? How do you, how do you keep that knowing that those things are going to happen just over the course of time? Ideally we're on an upward trajectory, but we still go through these, these flows, how do you keep perspective through those things? The the perspective of, I don't want to go back to the hard knocks, but knowing that there's going to be maybe lean times or, or difficult times still yet to come, but it's not necessarily going to the hard knocks. Like I want to keep maybe habits or certain things that you said, like, I don't want to go back to those things. So I want to do things differently now. What are some of those things? Maybe Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a certain way of thinking about money or growth, like anything that you can deposit for us there. When it comes to money, I remember a quote from Zig Ziglar a long time ago, and I love it. And he says, money isn't everything, but it definitely ranks right up there with oxygen. <laughs> and that is true to prove the point. If you don't think it's true, just try living without either one. Right. Like you can hold your breath for a while. Sure. But it ain't very fun. You might live without money for a little while, but it really ain't very fun either. Yeah. So not quantity of money is my motivator, but money in general, so that I don't have to go back to not clearing the $11 debit card charge, right? Right, right. Other habits are just going to include a lot of discipline, self-discipline. Like there's been times that we've done well financially and the money's rolled in and it's easy to maybe let up off the throttle a little bit, but you don't, you buckle down, you get smarter, you use all those hard knock lessons that you've learned in the past to course correct and, and move forward. I yeah. think throughout anybody's journey, there's all these small failures, sometimes on a daily basis. Right. Those don't need to be complete losses. Those are simply opportunities to course correct and right. come back into the center of your path to success. You have to continually reset those parameters on that, on that path or on that internal compass to not deviate down any of those paths too far. Yeah. Yeah. And that compass is designed or like literally created or built at sea going through those, those moments that uh, you are uh, experiencing at the school hard knocks to your point. Right. Right. That's so incredible. I think that the listener, I mean, I hope that they're as engaged with the story as I am because I've even heard most of this once before and I'm still like, give me more, give me more. I think they should go back and listen again because I think just if every if any entrepreneur is is just aware of the cyclical nature of business there's this i think healthy fear really of like 
man, it might all come crashing down tomorrow. Now, it, ideally, we, we build systems and teams and things in place where it doesn't just crash tomorrow, that there would be indicators and we could we could catch it or course correct to your point. But there there is this balance that I think that we have of like this ego and driven and money and like, let's go. But then there's this like, but like, I, you know, <laughs> it could all it could all be taken away. And so it, it, that sometimes that pushes us further into the driven and got to make sure that happens. Even if we have a bunch, it keeps us focused on, you know, maybe the activity as opposed to the result. Cause to your point, sometimes you can have a, a fat time and, and if you enjoyed the, the fat time too much, then yeah, don't have any leftover for the lean time. Would you add anything there before I move on? I, I think, I think the risk reward spectrum can shift. And yeah. when I started, I had nothing to lose, like <laughs> literally. Yeah. So my risk factor was high. I mean, I would do anything and everything and take on anything I could. And yeah. I, I didn't ever over promise and under deliver. Right. I would just over promise then figure out a way to deliver. Right. So I think as the business has grown or as anybody's business grows, your risk reward spectrum can shift slightly. You know, I take less less risks today or more managed risks today than I did all, you know, back then when I had nothing to lose, I do have some things to lose. So I'm more managed in my approach for what we want to take on. And I can contribute our one biggest downfall in the almost 15 years of, of high voltage Inc was taking on a project in South Florida in 2016 and 17, where we didn't get paid for almost 80% of the work we performed. Wow. And it was significant amount of money. We subsequently, two years later, won the lawsuit, but that was 2019. To this day, we've still never seen a dime. Wow. So yeah, we've, that was, and you had to pay your guys and you had to pay for all this. I mean, you, you fronted you. Yes. Yeah. In fact, what we were actually paid for the work that we, we did bill would what we received was less than half of my payroll alone. And I had massive operating costs, massive payroll tax liabilities, long-term leases on facilities in Miami and Fort Myers and Bradenton, Florida, end up having three offices down there. Wow. And the issue wasn't the amount of work. The work was there. The issue was we were working through a, a broker of a contract that simply refused to pay us. And yeah. we weren't the only one. We were, there were six or seven other subcontractors like us that also didn't get paid, but that's one of those lessons that I, that's actually the biggest, the only significant interruption to our upward growth trajectory from the day we started. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to talk about, I mean, <laughs> it all comes down at some, like what, what goes up must come down. And, and you just happen to have a really big down. I mean, I don't know if the listener really just heard you, but uh, you know, for, for, for a long period of time, you paid out a lot of money and, and then didn't get paid. And so <clears throat> there, there are a lot of reasons to be frustrated, a lot of reasons to quit, a lot of reasons to roll over, a lot of reasons to probably just say, you know what, forget this whole thing. I'm going to go work a job again. Right. Like so many reasons, but you didn't. Why? Well, I remember it would have been in 2009. I had the opportunity. It was after I started High Voltage Inc., but I was having a hard time attracting work and customers and even having the appropriate insurance. And, right. and I, I had a job offer from 
a major oil company to be kind of their lineman on staff specialist yeah. for some power system that they owned. And it was a lot of money. Like they were offering me a lot of money and I ended up turning it down because I had this vision of not wanting to just go to back to work for somebody. I wanted to start, I'd already started high voltage ink. I wanted to pursue that and grow it into what it was, but for, it took me three, four five years of growing that business before I could replace that income from that job offer that I turned down. But yeah. through that whole process, I remember coming across Teddy Roosevelt's quote, the man in the arena. And I probably can't say it verbatim anymore, but it's basically, I would rather be out there fighting the good fight and, and be the man in the arena than somebody watching it from the stands. And yeah. I felt like I was in the arena trying to grow and develop high voltage ink. And yeah. even if I failed, it was going to be a better path for me than taking the easy way out and just going and getting the job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think most entrepreneurs, you know, agree with you that old saying of, I'd rather work a hundred hours for myself than 40 for somebody else. I think it fits along that line, but we have this, we have this, you know, like you said, you're, you're either in the game or you're not. And the, the game for us is, you know, where you have your name on your Jersey. I, I think about many times in the past, I've had lots of friends over the years when I, when I, when I had a job or, or when I was a business owner, both, because before that it was just sales and it was the same mindset. I felt like, even though I was working for somebody, they'd, you know, Hey, did you catch the game Sunday? Or Hey, the chiefs are in the Super Bowl, or what, you know, whatever. Right. I'm like, no, man, I didn't, I didn't They're like, how, how, how did you miss it? I'm like, you know, the last time I checked, there was nobody with the last name Wolf on the, on the Jersey. Like I, I like, I like, I like wearing the Jersey with Wolf on the back, you know, and that doesn't say chiefs on the front. I can tell you that much. It says gathering the Kings or, you know, for a long time it was edible arrangements only, or maybe it says real estate or whatever Jersey I'm wearing, but on the back, it says Wolf. And I'm building, I'm building this thing. I'm in the game, like you just said. So I just think that there's a, there's just a, a deep appreciation that not only I have for you in saying that, but I think the listener hopefully um, can appreciate. And maybe they've even had those moments too, where they've been offered that, that easy way out or that like safety net, like, let me throw you, let me throw you a bone here. And man, it's so tempting to be able to just say, you know what? It would be so much easier. Yes. But well, we I wouldn't be wearing our reason, I think some of the reason I made that choice was, after my whole world collapsed and had to start over in 2008, yeah, I was digging deep to find inspiration, to find knowledge. Yeah. I truly believe that self-education trumps formal education any day of the week oh, if yeah. it's applied with a good work ethic. Yeah. But I had a subscription to Success Magazine at the time. I couldn't afford it. But every month that that came, there was a CD in it and I would put those in and I yeah. would listen to those recordings and read, read those magazines very, I mean, consistently, I was searching out that type of information totally. and I feel like that gave me the foundation or the base or the understanding to want to move forward and be successful again, even though I'd had a couple businesses that had previously failed, I, yeah. I didn't want to give up. So I think that was one of my key motivators back, yeah. back then there, to my knowledge, there wasn't podcasts. There wasn't right. any 
much information on the internet, you know, in, in 2008 in, in, in this regard. So yeah. right today, there's so much social media, there's so many influencers, there's so many ways to, to get that similar information. But, but back yeah. then, and I still have a lot of those success magazines with those CDs. I love them. Yeah. They're valuable too. Yeah. I, there, it's a, it's the, it's a, the treasure box, right? The, right. the items that you'll hold on to forever. I have a couple of CDs. I even have a couple of tapes, believe it or not. I'm, I'm definitely not old enough to be able to say that, but you know, I, I had some tapes given to me when I was a little bit younger and, and I don't know how to play them now, but, <laughs> but I've listened to them before. <laughs> I do have Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar tapes and I really, I, love too. I haven't listened to them for a long time. Because See, I don't even have a cassette player either, but I have exactly. exactly. Yeah, we'll hold on to them for our for our, our kids and grandkids, and they'll go, "What is this?" And you go, "You know what? Let me tell you a story." Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some museum will want them somewhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, I'm going to go to our speed round here. Uh, you've given us already so much. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts here in your business. Actually, in your businesses, I'm curious to see if it would be the same. What KPI is the most important, or if you only had to pick one, or only could pick one? What would you dial in on? Profitability. Okay. Again, I'll go back to that quote by Zig Ziglar. You know, money isn't everything, but it ranks right up there with oxygen. You simply can't breathe without it. And you can't survive in business without money. It, yeah. Plain and simple. And yeah. it's great if you want to do great big numbers and revenue, but if it costs you every dime of that and more to run yep. it, you're not going to be around very long. That's why there's such a high failure rate. Yeah. in small businesses. So yeah. I would say profitability. Yeah. Make sure you're money. making money and make sure you're okay with making money. It sounds like that's part of what you were just saying. You didn't really say it like that, but just the okayness of like, it's okay that I make a profit, right? Right. Yeah. That come from you digging it out, finding who you were, your value, if you will, or is that just numbers and business? Well, I'll be honest. When I first started in business for myself, I did have a really hard time charging people. Whether it was when we were doing general construction type work or, or, you know, eventually on the power line. I mean, I knew I had to charge people something, but I hated that side of it. I hated the fact that I had to do something I loved to do and go charge somebody to do it. I didn't like that part of it. So it did take me a while to come to terms with that. And then obviously, as your business grows, that amount that you have to charge increases, but also your knowledge and your resources that you can provide are, yeah. have also increased. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have as hard of time. My mindset has now changed to like, no, we provide a lot of value and solutions for the customers we work for. Yep. And this is what it takes to get that. Exactly. So. Yeah. They're buying, they're buying all of your ups and downs, right? They don't, Yes. They don't have to experience them. They get, they get you, you, yes. you have the knowledge and experience of both of those. Yes. And collectively our team and our managers and our, our employees and our linemen, like, yeah. you know, I have some linemen that have been in the trade for over 40 years. Wow. There is a lot of value and knowledge there. Yeah. And that had, took a while to attract those type of guys because sure. for the first, you know, several years, I was the most knowledgeable lineman and I was the lead guy in the field and in the office. Right. In fact, I think 2014 was the first year I personally actually took a paycheck every pay period. That was a big step for me. Wow. So it was uh, roughly five or six years into the business when I myself got a paycheck 
every pay period of the month and didn't have to carve any out to make sure the other guys got paid. And, but I was wearing all those hats of everything for everybody all the time. And eventually as we stabilized and grew and, and had a good reputation, all of a sudden now we're getting some more of those experienced people, which guess what? Our rates went up, but like you said, now the customer is getting a lot more effective and efficient product, so to speak, which is our labor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, the value, that's the word value. And you said it best being okay with that. Even though we love to do this, even though we were experts at this, the value that's being brought is what's being purchased. So I I love that. What book would you recommend? Or I know that you're a big eater of all things of, of self-development. So what maybe resource would you recommend? Well, it may surprise you, but it's not really self-development. It's more system-based and it's Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Yeah, great book. I don't know if you've heard of that, but yeah. that for me, I coming out of our Florida disaster when we were shorted an insane amount of money and I was having to find ways once again to rebuild and similar to 2008 when I dove into the success magazines and, and CDs and information in 2017, 18, I did the same thing and started over. And I remember reading, you know, Attraction by Gino. I can't remember yep. his name. Gino Wickman. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And then Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. And yeah. that really opened my eyes to the fact that profit is first, because if you don't have profit, there's no long-term company. Yeah. There's no opportunity for growth. And that shifted my mindset potentially then into where I am now with the value added perspective of, of your rate structure. Yeah. So I would recommend anybody. I wish I'd found the book sooner. I would recommend for anybody that's just starting or looking for some growth, read profit first and implement that system. It's made all the difference in the world for me and the way I handle the money. Love it. Love it. Money is a big deal. How you handle it is even a bigger deal. And you put those two things together, it can be disastrous or it can be very, very a well-oiled machine to your point as far as systems go. So I appreciate that. What are your thoughts on intentionally networking or masterminding? Obviously, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nudge you a little bit here. I know you're new to Gathering the Kings, but there was a reason why you wanted to join us. I'm curious to know networking in your past, masterminding in your past, even now with being new to uh, Gathering the Kings mastermind. Well, I think why I'm joined together in the Kings and being part of this group is I've never done any networking of any significance ever. So for me, the next path on my journey or the next step, I wanted to be able to get involved with that networking mastermind type venue and and see what one I can offer, but two, what they can offer me. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, maybe I think a lot of us, we always hit a, a ceiling in, in our, growth and our development, whether that's an actual ceiling or a perceived ceiling. But I think these networking groups and can help break through that ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. One little mindset nugget from some guy, he just spit it out and like normal and it just rocks your brain. Right. He doesn't even know you walk away with a whole new perspective and and nobody ever even knows it's, it's, it's actually pretty incredible because I've had many of those moments, even myself. So I've got a question for you around family and then and then we'll we'll bring it to a close here but this is a new question that I'm asking this year. You know that I I've got a little bit of a of an angle here this year. I'm I'm the business of course, the mastermind, yes, like it, I'm all about strategy and growth and personal development. But family is just as important. Marriage and then obviously our kiddos and and the parenting of those kiddos. And so my question to you is 
all throughout these years, your, your successes, your downs, your ups, you know, even that moment when your wife called and there wasn't even 11 bucks in the account. How have you been able to be obsessed about both? I don't like the word balance. What I like is going after hard because that's, that's what we do when we actually want something that, that dialed in winning spirit that you talked about earlier. So how have you gone after your business hard winning and your marriage and your kids? I agree with you. I don't like the word balanced because balancing creates the opportunity for you to tip one way or the other at the drop of a hat. That's true. It doesn't take very much. I mean, balance to me is you're standing on this little peak and the wind blows a little bit, you're going to fall off one way or the other. So (laughs) I don't like that term either. And again, that's been a changing concept or reality for me early on. Remember, as I started high voltage in 2008, I had a one-year-old daughter. My son was born in 2009. I had a, another daughter that was born in 2012. And then my, my last son was born in 2014. Wow. But I pretty much hit the road and was away from them and away from home from 2011 through 2016, like 75, 80, 90% of the time. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of balance there. My wow. balance or my perspective on that and this may not be for everybody. And I had the conversation with my wife a lot, but I knew that I needed to do what I had to do to set the foundation for this business Yeah. at the time, even if it meant missing their first steps and I missed their preschool graduation and I missed this and I missed that because I did. I missed all that. I missed birthdays. I missed holidays, but yeah. I had a bigger purpose. And yeah. I knew that as they got older and involved in sports and involved in high school. I mean, that's when I really, really wanted to have some more flexibility to be part of their lives. Right. And I think if it comes down to you term balance, I looked at it more that way of, I would rather miss this part of their life than this part of their life. And I chose to do a lot of the hard things as early on in their lives as I could to, to be able to do the things back then that I didn't necessarily want to do so that today I could do the things I wanted to do. And, you know, I'm still out of town a fair amount, but I am more flexible and in my scheduling and and I can work around some of these baseball games and basketball games and volleyball games and dance competitions. And because they do it all and it's busy. And (laughs) And there's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as far as my wife goes, you know, it it caused a lot of struggles and issues, especially early, early on as she's, you know, wanted to had a couple of little kids and wanting to have more kids. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? Like I'm gone all the time. Are you you really want to handle this? Like you Uh you want to take this on? And she's like, yeah, I I do. And after kid number three, I was sure that we were done. And she like an hour after delivering kid number three, and she's like, we're not done. I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, she's like, no, we're not done. I'm like, okay. So of course, a couple of years later, there's kid number four, but she was able to take that on and was able to support me. I mean, we had our differences and we had our issues and when you miss a birthday and you miss the preschool graduation, there's probably a conversation, but overall she was very supportive because she trusted me. She didn't see the bigger picture, not at all. She trusted. I saw the bigger picture. Right. And that was important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so difficult sometimes because 
we see the bigger picture, but we don't necessarily know all the steps, right? So we're trusting and believing ourselves. And then you have this other person that we deeply care for, obviously, is our wife or spouse. And, um, you know, just for them to be able to, like you said, I guess, take the leap of faith even more so to to, to be able to support is uh, is a big deal. So thank you for sharing those things. I think that like all of our stories are a little different as far as, you know, how we apply those things. But it's important for me this year to really start pulling that out of successful entrepreneurs, because I think, I think it's important and, and there's no right way, but I think that it has to be something that we talk about. And I, and I loved how, what you said, it was a conversation that you had repeatedly with your wife. And I think that a lot of high achievers are going to, going to lean towards that delayed gratification and say, Hey, look, if I just spend a little bit of time doing the right things then it's going to set us up. And so I just like talking to guys like you that have actually gone and done them because there's a difference between saying, let me go do these things and it'll set us up. And then you're always in that mode, right? Like I'm just, just we're, we're, we're going to like, I'm just, I'm still setting it up. I'm still doing it. I'm still, I'm still there. Like there's just a bunch of talk, not a whole bunch of action. So just super excited for, um, for not only our, like personally to, for me to get to know you better, but just to watch you continue to operate in that because it's, it's inspiring. Last question here for you, Tyler, I want to know if you whispered in the young Tyler's ear, what would you say? Don't give up. Maybe it sounds cliche, but that philosophy, that principle right there is absolutely true. It's simple, but it's true. And you just, you have to keep working. I remember if you have time for one more little story, we'd love it. Just came to mind. I haven't thought about this for, I don't know. I'm 44. I probably haven't thought about this for 30 plus years. Right. (laughs) So I remember as a a kid, I would stay pretty much all summer long with my grandparents on the farm. Okay. They had a nice place and they had all these roads between their house and the outbuildings and the chicken coop and the tractor shed and the greeneries. And, and there was an old gravel pit on the hill above their home that had been abandoned a long time ago. Well, my grandpa was adamant about keeping a nice sand like base on all his roads so they weren't muddy well at this old crushing pit there was all this reject sand left over and that there was no tractors or i mean he had his agricultural tractors for the field but nothing to move sand with so he would have us kids drive as little kids eight nine ten twelve even as my i was a teenager i remember doing it every spring and summer we would go with shovels and we would hand load sand into the back of a pickup We'd drive it back down off the hill and we would hand spread sand back out on his road and maybe use a rake a little bit. And I remember my first recollection of doing that. I couldn't have been very big. And I remember complaining that I was tired of shoveling sand into the truck. And my grandpa has a tremendous work ethic. He's 92, almost 93. He still is incredibly active and would outwork (laughs) most people. But he, uh, he, he told me, he said, if you're tired, don't quit. He's like, just change the way you're doing it. I'm like, it's shoveling. Like, how do you do it different? He's like, well, you can shovel, you know, with your left hand and you can shovel with your right hand and you can do it like this and you can step on and shovel with your foot and dig deep and throw it in front of you. He's like, and then when you get tired of one of those methods, then go back to the first one. He's like, there's no need to quit. Just change the way you're doing it. And I think that that's been ingrained in me all along because there's times I get tired of the grind. And that doesn't mean you stop, you don't quit. Yeah. So, you know, just change directions a little bit, change focus for a minute, do whatever you have to do to keep going. 
and ignore some of the negative and nor ignore the the burn in the left shoulder and focus on the right shoulder for a little bit. So, so profound Tyler in all seriousness, how could you not tell that story? What wisdom? And uh, I'm, I'm just thankful, man, that uh, you would share that, that you would remember that after all these years. Um, I, <clears throat> that just got deposited into, into a part of my brain that uh, I'm going to try to use and even for my own children. So the legacy of, of grandpa, lives on. I promise you, at least, at least with me and my kids, it'll, it'll be so Tyler, you've been incredible. How can the listener connect with you? Maybe, maybe they are connected somehow to power lines or drilling and and they need your services or they're just an entrepreneur and they want to pick your brain. How can they email or phone? My, my email is T Pratt at H V I power.com. And my phone number is 435-632-4298. So you're welcome to call me, text me, and I'm love to help, love to talk with you, whatever we can do to work. It's awesome, man. You truly embody what it means to be a king in many, many ways. And so thankful, selfishly thankful to know you, but it's also awesome to be able to share you today uh, with uh, all the entrepreneurs listening. So again, thank you for being here. Blessings upon blessings on your family, your kiddos, your wife, of course, your team, your business. Looking forward to running hard with you in 2023. Thank you for being here, brother. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Chaz. Take care. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.